0: (laughs) thinking basketball podcast my name is ben welcome back to another episode it is that time of year we have finally made it through the 7132 game season that uh that spanned it spanned many months many moons it it took a long time but Uh, Dave Dufour is here to continue the tradition The one and only Uh, We just have to preview it Now we got a new season It is the postseason, the season after the season It's playoff preview time Dave, how you doing? Fantastic I'm happy to be here You know, I, I use this podcast to mark
1: important moments in life The beginning of a season The end of a season It's another year, Ben We're older now Yeah, I'm good, man you ready to do this? Yeah, I thought we were going to make fun of HBO or Max. I, the, I we'll don't know. do that later. We'll do that. I don't later. know what's That'll going be the on.
0: Overflow yeah. pod. It's, it's just, just Max now. Did that's you? That's what's. Did you go through the preview pod for the regular season that we did? Uh, I went, I I listened to a little of it at some point in the middle of the year. Yeah. Why? 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 What do you think? I feel like I didn't do well this year. No. Um, no. It, it was a weird year. Yeah. It's okay. I tried to steer you back. That's what I remember. I was, I said, Dave, come over here into this boat. Come into this ship with me. It's all right.
1: Well, the, honestly, uh, the injury stuff this year was a little bit weird. The overwhelming
0: mediocrity was kind of well, weird. Well, Well, we talked about that in the preview, how hard it was to handle the parity, not just for fans, but I think for analysts, because you're used to these clear lines of demarcation where a team has a plus eight point differential and when they're healthy, they have a plus 10 point differential and a team that's just not going to be that dangerous has a plus two point differential. This season, everything is so close together. You add in all the injuries and we're going to talk about this today, I imagine, for a ton of these teams and matchups. It's like really hard to figure out where someone has a clear cut advantage and it's made for an incredible season. I think just from a basketball standpoint and from a drama standpoint, but the obvious thing to start with, when I look at the postseason bracket is this thing feels very wide open for the most part in the West. Well, the West and then even in the East, if you had like three dominant teams, there isn't an obvious team to pick from. Um, Let's start in the West. I mean, let's the the East is a different animal. So maybe we can get there, and maybe the best teams lie in the East. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dave, if you look at the West, um, there's some great matchups, and I think we I think we just have to start with the marquee. We have to start with the marquee matchup. This I've been upset since Golden State and Sacramento have been matched up, and each day I go through a different emotional process where. Yesterday, I was realizing, like, well, you, either Golden State or Sacramento could be in the conference finals. The Lakers could be in the conference finals. This could be crazy drama and theater on that side of the bracket. On the other hand, Dave, Sacramento or Golden State is going home in the first round. Talk me through this. It's
1: not fair. It's not fair.
0: Um, I mean, let's just be honest. Sacramento is going home in the first round. Oh, Wow. Wow. So you don't have any you don't have any angst about picking this series. No, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, I could sit and split hairs, but it's
1: the Warriors, you know, and spoiler alert. They're pretty good. They just won a title last year. And I know this season has been a weird one. Um, They don't have a lot of depth, but that's not going to bother them against the Kings in the first round, I don't think. I don't know that the Kings can defend what the Warriors do on offense, and I know that the Warriors can
0: play defense, and and they have a switch that they can flip. Well, I, I do think that the Warriors are better than what their record indicates. We've talked about that a lot on this show throughout the year. Um, they also are built to be a little more flexible in the playoffs. I think both their coaching staff historically has demonstrated an ability to bend and kind of flow within a series or based on a matchup. So that matchup versatility gives them a lot of um, strength going through a tournament. But I mean, let's just start with game one. Like game one is in Sacramento. That's going to be, that's on Saturday night. That's going to be a zoo. That's going to be, that's going to be an environment. David, things, things are going to be happening there. Kings get out to like, I don't know, a 38 point first quarter. Kevin Kevin Herder gets on a heater. Like game 1 is important in every series, obviously. Um this feels like a series where I'm going to be hyper focused on game 1 because if the Warriors can exert some kind of road game 1 dominance or or advantage, maybe is a better word. I think they went into Memphis last year and had a similar thing. Like mm-hmm. that's a huge indicator that they're in a great place in the series. If it goes the other way and the Kings comfortably win game one, um, Golden State still has that ability to bend and flow. But now, you, now you're now you one game in the hole. You've got th- potentially three more road games in the series against a team that literally has the most efficient offense in the history of the NBA <laughs> by raw offensive rating. Um, I'm just saying, I I am not dismissive... Of I, I I'm not comfortable picking golden state right now i'm not that's amazing yeah. I mean their road
1: issues this year are are i guess a concern, but don't you think
0: that's noise though yeah, I do think it's noise right but um, but so so they're not as good as their home record and they're not as bad as their road record because overall they're just not great. Yeah, but I think that they are better than than their record. Like
1: I think that this Agreed.
0: is more like a 50 win
1: team, which yep. you know, a little bit of a I'll call it a championship hangover. The, obviously, the whole drama with Draymond and Jordan Poole didn't start him out on the right foot. Um, you know, Steph ha- had some injury issues. Clay took a little bit to get going, and but then when he did, wow, did he? Uh and then they didn't have Andrew Wiggins for 20 games. They're they're five and two with Gary Payton. Back in the lineup. Well, which, yeah, but they now hold on. I know they're they didn't play real teams. Some, they're playing some bozos in yeah. there, but still, they they look better with Gary Payton in the rotation, right? Like because it bumps other guys down. I also think more Kuminga, more Moody that we've been seeing lately. I hope they stick with that. I mean, they have a they have a championship caliber roster. I know because I just watched them do it. And, and Otto Porter Jr. Sure, sure, they miss him, but he's not that important. Andrew Wiggins is super important. If Wiggs comes back and and he is healthy, which it seems like this is not an injury issue, he should be fresh. I mean, can he play 45 minutes a night? Probably. I mean, Wiggins is a beast. So adding him back instantly upgrades their roster, slides everybody back a spot. You got Dante DiVincenzo will be coming off the bench, and he's been great this year. I just think that this team is – I'm not going to say that they didn't take the regular season seriously. But they certainly played a lot of James Wiseman this year, right? Like, so it, maybe it's organizational seriousness. Now everybody's about the business. It's playoff time, and you know Draymond Green is just not going to let these guys lose.
0: Wow. Um, I mean, just for the record, they only played James Wiseman 262 minutes. I'm I'm felt, not as it felt like a million. Uh, yes, I understand. Um, it, I'm not as high on the young guys in the playoff rotation. I think that's something to be concerned about. But I, I think the other side of this is we agree that Golden State is, is more dangerous in the playoffs than their record. Um, we agree that Golden State, in addition to their pedigree, the presence of Gary Payton II and Andrew Wiggins In that lineup and staying healthy and having like a solid seven man rotation like that instead of a ton of Anthony Lamb in your starting lineup or whatever it is. We agree that that makes a difference as well. And I think the last thing we agree on here is that probably against any team in the West, we can, again, table the East teams, but against any team in the West, if you line them up, they are at the least competitive in a series like you could you could talk yourself into picking them against any team and you probably wouldn't sound crazy. Um, you know, whether I would pick them against any team is a different question, but I think we agree on all that. So maybe the bigger side of this is and we'll get to these other teams in a second because the West is just super fun. But man, the Kings like I don't You just think they're just going to stop the Kings. I see. I think the bigger question for the Kings is which of those guys can show up under the pressure cooker. We're recording this after the Lakers Timberwolves crazy play-in game, and you know what happens? The game gets more intense. The game gets more physical. Um, guys tighten up. Shots get harder to make. Your legs get tired. All the all these things that can happen, and then people can disappear, right? And so my question for the Kings is, I don't I don't worry about Sabonis. And if Fox's jumpers working, he's just he's just a challenge. He's just a problem to defend with his been pace. Great down the stretch too. Yeah, and he's been incredible in the clutch. He's been inc- incredible closing this season. So that leaves guys like Kevin Herter, um, a veteran, Harrison Barnes, who I think will be solid. What happens to a kid like Keegan Murray? Like Malik Monk is a guy I like to go to war with off the bench. I love him. Right. If those guys don't kind of wilt under the pressure of the moment or those other physical elements, the fatigue and the demand of defense and the incredible focus it takes in the postseason to execute a game plan. You know, we we had Stan Van Gundy talk about some incredible insights a a couple episodes ago on that. Like if those things don't happen, I don't think the Warriors are going to find it very easy to stop Sacramento. And I actually wonder how many minutes let's let's do this. How many minutes per game does Kavon Looney play in this series? Uh, this is the problem. Okay. <laughs> now you're getting now you, I know you I'm getting you, warmed up. Look,
1: Kavon Looney needs to play every competitive minute. Not just in this series, but in the playoffs. I, how's he gonna do that against no the Makes no sense King? to me. Makes no sense to me that that he plays as little as he does. He, I, I he mean he can't move. Okay, but they need him on the offensive glass. I mean, defense—they can make it work. They need him on the offensive glass because they're going to need those second opportunities. And Sabonis and his rebounding is a problem for the Warriors. So they need—they need Looney on the glass, plain and simple. He has to be out there. So I expect he's probably going to be twenty-five
0: minutes a game. I think they'll win those minutes. Wow, twenty-five minutes a game. You don't think so? I would take no. I just—I take the under. What if they start
1: Draymond and bring Looney off the bench? Like, would you be in favor of going with, like, Poole or DiVincenzo with Draymond starting at the five and just say, you know what, we're going to turn the gas up from from the jump. Let's see if you can keep up. Would you do that if you were them? Like, send a message?
0: I think historically what they do in game one is, and I expect to see the more traditional vanilla approach with Looney out there. Mm -hmm. And then I would not be surprised at all if that's exactly what we saw in game two. But again, it depends on, this is why the game one dynamic here is so fascinating. These teams just played a a throwaway game a couple weeks ago. The Kings did not play their guys. Uh, They played a bunch at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. So the Kings were good, Right away, I think they started two and five or three and six or whatever it is, but they still weren't the Kings. The machine wasn't oiled yet. The guys weren't comfortable yet. Herder was just given more responsibility and getting the chemistry with the two-man stuff. Um, you know, Keegan Murray, like you don't have reps under your belt. You watch the Kings play in March or February, that's a different animal. And it's just not clear to me that Looney's going to be able to present a huge uh, sort of value add defensively. And then you get into the things about like other stuff, rebounding, who else do you play if they play small? I don't know. That's, it's an amazing series to me, Dave. That's where I'm stuck.
1: I think it's going to be, it's going to be competitive. I don't think that the Warriors are going to sweep them or anything. Although it would shock me. If they did, it's the it Warriors. It would shock me. I would it's be the shocked. God, <laughs> be shocked. Look, the Warriors have gotten to San Antonio Spurs status with Tim Duncan. I like. I cannot count them out because they have Steph Curry. That's it, man. Like, I mean, Draymond Green too, by the way. Which the guy should get a lot of Defensive Player of the Year buzz because he's been amazing this season yep. defensively. And so those two guys are are just incredible. Klay Thompson. Hit 301 threes this year. Just decided the other day he wanted to hit 300 threes. Did it in the first quarter of the game, and I know
0: it was against Portland, but still, Clay Thompson's back. Wiggins these is are, coming back. These Come are on, all man. the these are all the obvious selling points. I know, <laughs> and of course, it is it is true. They have demonstrated over and over and over again they are incredibly resilient. And here's where I'm at. Well, if, to that can I to the resiliency point.
1: Okay, we know that they can take a punch. So, Sacramento comes out. Let's say they let's say everything goes wrong for the Warriors. 45 points given up for the Kings. They score 45, they go nuts. Warriors maybe let's we'll, we'll say they score 30. Things go poorly. Warriors don't care. It doesn't matter. That's that's a that's the first 6 minutes of the third quarter for them. Yeah. And I know they can take a punch. Can the Kings take a punch? This goes back to your point. Who's going to step up? Who can they rely on? What happens when when things go wrong for the Kings in the playoffs, when it matters? You know, losing games here and there in the regular season, they had a great regular season. It's easy to not get down when you're winning most of your games, right? But in the playoffs, they lose game one. I mean, do they dig themselves into a mental hole? Do they start feeling like, oh, we're behind
0: the eight ball? Well, I, I guess – My only thing here, because everything you're saying makes sense. If this were a season where the league was kind of flat, nothing changed. It was static. The last season was 116 offensive rating. The year before was 116 offensive rating. Then I would be going, I'd be right there with you. We'd be in the same boat. We'd be in the same shoes. He'd be like, Ben, get out of my shoes. We're thinking so similarly on this. My issue is the league is also in this rapid change. And so what I f- feel like has happened all season with Golden State, and it's going to be put to the test right now, is people are going, well, I've seen them do it. And it's like, yeah, there have been moments in the regular season where Steph Curry has exerted his will on the game. It's been incredible. There have been moments where Clay Thompson has gone, Clay Thompson, he game six, and he's gotten hot. And of course, Draymond Green's defense has been great. But the difference to me is, that creates a much, much smaller margin than it used to. And there were also games where Steph Curry played great and you almost didn't feel it. Like, I think he had a, did he have a game where he had like 10 threes and 50 points and they lost by like 10 to a very mediocre team? I saw some, all Probably. the games have blurred together, but that, does that make sense? Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. I understand. Right? Yeah. They don't yeah. feel like
1: a juggernaut anymore, right? They, they do feel more human. And it's, it's because like the cast of characters uh, are, have diminished one of the people don't talk enough about how deep the warriors have been during you know their entire run here with Steph Curry. It's we focus on Steph, we focus on Draymond, we focus on Clay, but they've always had a solid bench. I mean, jo- hell, they have Jordan Poole who, you know, when he's playing well, that's that's a really high-end backup point guard. Um, they have had depth. This year they're going to have to rely on guys for for minutes that are probably going to be important like Kuminga, Moody, you know, and they're unknown quantities, so we can't trust them. But the, the core guys, I still trust, man. I mean, it's just I don't think that any team in the Western Conference has sort of shown me enough to make me say, oh, well, the Warriors can't just do this thing that we saw them do a year ago.
0: If you want to work in basketball or just deeper your understanding of the NBA, sports business classroom, is my number one recommendation. Sports Business Classroom is an immersive program that takes place inside of Summer League in Las Vegas, and you'll get training in scouting, media, the salary cap, and analytics from industry leaders. Past instructors and guests include Commissioner Adam Silver, Mike D'Antoni, Masayu Jiri, Daryl Morey, Mike Breen, and Zach Lowe. Dozens of SBC alum have gone on to work in basketball, including two Thinking Basketball team members. And this year's session runs from July 9th to 15th in Las Vegas. So if you're interested, check out sportsbusinessclassroom.com. And I have a discount for you. Enter the code THINKINGBASKETBALL at sign up and get $300 off. That's sportsbusinessclassroom.com. And for $300 off, enter the code Thinking basketball doesn't depth matter more now with all the parity and everything being competitive. It's not like it's competitive because there's no good players. No, there's it's too many, like many good com- players. We need to expand, many, bro. Too many good players. That's,
1: this is the thing people keep missing. The The difference between those top 10 guys and like 50 to 60 is smaller now than at any other time in the league. And it's more about, it's almost as much about opportunity with with stardom as anything else, because
0: everyone can play. It is nearly a bumless league. Yeah, that that I think. I mean, I you know that we'll we'll get to Phoenix in a second, but it just it's an interesting thing because if you were top heavy five years ago and you had uh, in the, in Golden State's case, let's just stick with them, Curry and Durant and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Maybe you know, hey, I can get more minutes with Quinn Cook and Jacob Evans and um, Alfonso McKinney or wh- whoever else they were like trying to just fill fill the rest of the space with. This season in these playoffs, it feels like, you know, if if you're a weakness out there, it's like you're going to get attacked or you're going to head to the bench. You don't like the Warriors' top eight. I I like. Um, I I think they're small. They're very small. Yeah, the thing. But that's, the thing. You know. I I don't love how Looney has moved. I think this is a, a kind of a crazy first round matchup to get because of how Sacramento plays, because of how fast they are, because of how much they attack. What's it gonna look like
1: if he's defending Dhos? I think that they're gonna
0: they're gonna pre switch all that stuff. I, I'm guessing. Oh, man, I. I don't, I don't like the kids off the bench. I think GP2 could be huge. It's still to be determined to me to see how effective he is compared to last year. I mean, he's only played seven games with them. He's been out most of the season. So I wouldn't say I dislike it, but I don't think of them as having a ton of depth right now. No, they. Yeah. Don't. I don't think they do either. But I do like their top eight. Uh,
1: I think DiVincenzo, what he's done this year, he perfect warrior guy just fits right in with what they do works with their starting lineup, but also works with Jordan Poole off the bench. Um, they're just small. And so is this the year that them being small poses a big problem? I mean, I think if they run into the bucks in the finals, it's a problem.
0: Um, you you've, already, you've already got them in the finals. Oh, well, probably. I mean, this I, is I exciting. haven't worked it out yet, but we'll, we'll, we'll work on it as we go. Um, I mean,
1: but I mean, and the nuggets are, would be a problem. To them, um, I, I think because Aaron Gordon and and Michael Porter Jr. are pretty big dudes, and so is Jokic. He's like might be the biggest dude in, in the West. So, you know that's an that's an issue.
0: All right, we'll 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 get to that side of the bracket know, I'm in looking a second. No, let's just let's Sabonis so
1: is actually a problem for them, right? Like because his DHO stuff. I mean, the way he has operated in the DHO and the way he hits the glass, it does not allow you to take plays off and there's anything that the Warriors can sometimes lapse into, it's being a little lazy here and there. And Sabonis is going to punish them every time they are.
0: Well, you know that their prep for the transition and the pace and all that is going to be a focus. And they're usually very good about uh, executing on those kinds of matchup-specific game plans. They also, just just from a, because you know people are going to echo it, you know just from a numbers standpoint like the warriors starters those guys have better on court offensive ratings throughout this season than sacramento's starters um you know but that's not everything so we'll we'll see i'm very excited about this series i'm also excited about the series on the other side of the bracket which is the lakers and memphis um how are you feeling about that one do not feel great for memphis Oh, this is, this is,
1: this is amazing. Um, I'm nervous for him. Steven Adams and Brandon Clark are huge for this team and not, it's not for defense. I mean, their offense is predicated on those dudes getting second opportunities and it has not been great for them since, since they've been without them. And so I worry about, I worry about whether or not they can handle the Lakers sort of interior tenacity. I mean, Anthony Davis against Minnesota w- was dominant. I mean, he he exerted his will at the end of that game. I mean, the fourth quarter in overtime, he just took over. And, you know, Jaron, his foul trouble, I mean, it's it's, it's kind of like Carl anthony Towns. Carl anthony Towns picked up his fifth foul, and the game changed. And I'm not saying he was doing much on defense. But Jaron getting into foul trouble is going to be what the Lakers try to do. They are gonna go at Jaron Jackson, try to put him in actions, try to get him off the court. And then what happens?
0: Well, I think the question here first of all, with Jaron, uh, he's gonna start the game on Jared Vanderbilt if they start Jared Vanderbilt oh, yeah. and that's a roamer. That means right. he can leave him, right? Now right. he's not gonna he's not gonna leave him completely unguarded the way the Bucs say, hey Brook Lopez don't guard this guy, because we right. need you on Zion Williamson in the paint or something. They're not going to. It's not that level of a, a sort of extreme. Partially because Jaron is so rangy, but I do think the big issue here that that all this ties into, Dave, is the shooting. Which which team has less shooting? That's the that's the question. Well, the for the series, it, it, like, well, the Lakers have less shooting. That's a. I think that's a big deal because Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, yes, you could. Troy Brown has had good minutes for the Lakers down the stretch um, two-way minutes but he's not the shooter Malik Beasley is Malik Beasley you put him in the game first of all he's too small to even worry about Jaron I mean we're now we're down at guards but right you give up you give up something in terms of playmaking and defense when you do that D'Angelo Russell is their other good shooter but you give up defense when you do that. there's all these trade-offs with the Lakers roster that have been evident since the, tr- since they upgraded and became a much more competitive team. But I just feel like even without Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, defensively, the Grizzlies and Jaron are still in a good position to say, okay, we we would like you to make 36% of your three pointers in this series. Go well, ahead. Let me ask you. So I'm watching the game. I'm watching Minnesota struggle defensively. I did not understand
1: why they didn't just zone up. It, I mean, it makes no sense to me why they didn't play the zone until the Lakers hit five shots in a row. I dare you. I dare you to hit five shots over the zone. The, the I mean, they just allowed themselves to be attacked. Memphis won't make that mistake. That is a huge difference, that Memphis will absolutely force those guys into shooting. They're not going to guard. If Vanderbilt's out there, you're right. They, they are going to have Jared Jackson on
0: him, and they are probably not going to close out on many of those threes if he takes any. They're not they're – not, yeah, I don't think they're going to close out uh, on really any of them in a meaningful way. Um, and I think that's, that's part of the issue with this series where it goes back to like which, which team's mediocre shooters are going to make shots. And, um, you know, maybe John Morant has a good shooting series, but at least with Memphis, one of their primary guys, Desmond Bain – is a shooter, and you know he's comfortable ripping off launching yeah, yeah, you know he's in a in any playoff environment, and it goes back to what you said about Anthony Davis taking over late in the game. Some of that is just the game is tightening up, guys are super fatigued that kind of defensive presence around the basket, along with some of the other Lakers defenders make it hard to penetrate, but John ja Morant, he might be the best off the dribble penetrator in the sport, and that at least collapses the defense and gets some of these role players open shots. So it does feel to me as I talk through it that, especially with the home court, Memphis feels like a team with the advantage here. And if Luke Kennard is going to be out there and actually take shots, like if he's going to if he's going to stroke it,
1: that that's going to help him. But De- it's a big Desmond Bain series as far as I'm concerned. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Any of those non-jaw minutes, I think it's going to be – He's gonna be out there stirring the drink quite a bit, Tyus Jones. And they've yep. been really good together this year. Even Santi Aldama, I think, can give him good minutes in this series. Just like high energy um and athleticism. That that's the thing is like the Lakers they they have more of that now, but I still don't know that they have as much as Memphis can can roll out there at one time. And Memphis can really run, which the Lakers should. Try to run. I mean, that was the, the key to their comeback against Minnesota was getting out in transition, forcing those turnovers, getting getting things happening, getting them moving. So but if Memphis can protect the ball, we know that they can defend if, if they can protect the ball and score, because that has been an issue sometimes in half court. Then, yeah, they should win. The, they should win this series easily. They have more talent. But man, yeah. it's hard for me to <laughs> count out LeBron James, damn it.
0: Yeah, okay, okay.
1: I just so. I just I just can't. Like I don't know. Like this is the toughest series for me
0: because I
1: just cannot count out
0: LeBron and Anthony Davis. You you mentioned Tyus Jones. He sh- we I've got our I've got our board here for Patreon subscribers patreoncom Basketball. 3-year wide open threes. Tyus Jones is 41% Desmond Bain is 45%, and of course your guy Luke Kennard is 51%. We'll see how many minutes he plays and and what kind of flow he can get into in terms of the dynamics of this series. But that's that's three guys over 40% on their wide-open threes. And then even Dylan Brooks, who you know is going to get his time as a defensive pest, he's 39% on wide-open threes. By the way, Go- Luke Kennard, who's a hesitant shooter until he got to Memphis, he's now is a career-high
1: per 75 three-point attempts for him uh, since he got to Memphis. Now, small sample, but still, he's shooting more. I someone must have said, you have to shoot when you're open or you can't play.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the Lakers on the flip side, just for comparison, their three best guys are just around 40%. We mentioned Russell, 41%. Troy Brown is 40%. Now, I think if Troy Brown can play like he's played in terms of defense... And in terms of some of the decision-making, and he can make his wide-open threes, that would be a huge value add <laughs> yes. and, and big minutes for Los Angeles. If he right? can make his wide-open threes, that would be massive yeah. for them. But um, uh, he, that comes and goes. He's at 40%. LeBron James is at 40%. Malik Beasley is 42%. and We talked about him. And then all the other guys, they have a ton of guys, Dave at like 36, 37% on wide open threes, which is right around league average. I think league average on those shots is close to 37%. So it's one of those things where you saw it in the play-in game with D'Angelo Russell, like D'Angelo Russell's shot was off and he basically became like unplayable in the game. I think he was one for nine and he ended up with like 21 minutes played in the game so that's the Lakers roster it's the give and take of the Lakers roster it makes me feel like Memphis is the I understand the LeBron James I understand the LeBron James AD dynamic but um, I don't know this whole the whole West is just I think we could spend five hours on the West uh,
1: we're we're only doing uh, one conference um, on murder <laughs> this week because it's just too I mean it's too much the West is when you have play in teams that you feel like 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 the Lakers could actually do something um, even Minnesota could give Denver a, a couple of games, you know, or could take a couple of games from Denver. I, Who's I'm playing like, for Minnesota? That's that's a whole other problem. We'll get there. Uh, that's if they make it, right? I mean, it still,
0: I just don't trust that team at all, at all, right now. Yeah, so. I, I mean, w- the Pelicans have not. We we're recording this before the Pelicans have um, made their way into the eight seed to play Denver, so. <laughs> Man, Um, I got to tell you, I picked OKC. We were doing a little
1: pick'em thing over at the athletic. I picked OKC just because I want them to win.
0: Yeah, I'm just rooting for that for that story. That's how sports work. Yeah, yeah. Whatever team you want for outcomes, usually I just want OK OKC to keep it going. All right, let's let's stay with the West and go to the other side of this bracket. And you could argue the other side of the bracket is juicier because, for my money, I'm looking at two. Two contenders to come out of this conference on the other side of the bracket, uh, Denver, who is going to play one of those play-in teams. I, I think we both agree will uh, be able to advance out of that slot, and then they're going to play Phoenix or the Clippers. Um, I've I, we, we've been very down on the Clippers all year. I've I, I like I've been Phoenix. down on the Clippers for years. <laughs> for years. So Phoenix and Denver, how are you feeling about yeah. that
1: matchup? Look, it, it, it's all—it's the story of Kevin Durant, right? I mean, if Kevin Durant is healthy, I don't know how to pick against him. Is he right not now. healthy? Am I missing something? Well, I'm just saying. I'm saying if he's healthy, right? Like that matchup is a couple weeks from now. And one recurring theme for Kevin Durant since he came back from the Achilles injury has been injuries. They're acute injuries, but still, they are injuries nonetheless. And he has been hurt a lot. He's just coming off an injury. You know, I I, I just get nervous come playoff time. Um, he's older. This is a guy, like, when he's out there, he's an MVP-level player. What did he shoot, 62% on twos this year? Mostly jumpers? I,
0: I, it he had was. a 55-40-90 season. Yeah, his his shooting from the mid range just in the last couple seasons has been absolutely ridiculous, and uh, he. We shot. talk about him too much as a
1: scorer, and we don't respect him enough as the second greatest shooter of all time.
0: Well, I mean, I don't I don't know about that. We we did an entire greatest shooters of all time podcast. You might. Where 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 do you wind up? You. he was very high I mean he's I think he's one of the better shooters ever but yeah uh, yeah I mean it's Steph Curry and it's Kevin Durant I think 60 but, <laughs> 60 it's crazy 62 <laughs> percent what's our time stamp here when, when we need the hot takes should have been coming earlier we should have been <laughs> we should have been getting into this right at the top of the show we're, we're we're see the season has worn us down it has and we need to get our momentum yeah for the postseason back we talked about depth I think oh, that's man I think that's the obvious question with Phoenix because you look at this season, Phoenix is good without Kevin Durant, but they're not particularly good without Kevin Durant. And that in and of itself was a bit of a deviation from what we had seen previously. I think that's things with the sun's changing, Chris Paul getting older, and then the rest of the league doing its thing. You look at, you look at where they are now after the trade, Uh, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, it already gets interesting at DeAndre Ayton just because of the small ball mm-hmm. dynamic against some of these potential opponents. I guess against Denver, he probably wouldn't really be played out of the game. So there's right. there's your core four. But just because he isn't played out of the game doesn't mean that Jokic and two-man game with Jamal Murray and Jokic wouldn't necessarily cook them defensively. How How are you feeling about that whole dynamic in that matchup? The depth is a problem. That I mean, that's the issue for Phoenix, right? I mean, losing
1: Bridges and Cam Johnson, no Jay Crowder. I mean that that's three pivotal wing pieces that that were important to them that they just don't have. You can't go three for one. Tory Craig is not as good as those three guys.
0: Well, well, Josh Okogie is. Josh is pretty. He's, good. Yeah. Yes. Josh, so, so you got Josh Okogie another guy who's going to be challenged right away to, to like make wide open threes. They're going to dare you. You're going to need to make yep. them in the big moments. That's a question. Um, then, as you said, Torrey Craig, and I guess the third guy, do you not, do you not trust Damian Lee? Should Damian Lee be playing more?
1: I- I actually think Damian Lee has been really great for them. He's a good shooter. The guy has no conscience whatsoever. He's going to pull. He's got playoff experience. Hell yeah, he maybe should start for them. I mean, like, if Damian Lee is out there with with those guys, it it would remind him of playing with Steph and uh, Clay Thompson and Golden State. He'd be wide open. Now, that being said, I feel like I went years without seeing Damian Lee actually make a shot. So... I, I don't know if you could trust him come playoff time, but he has been really good for them this year and more stuff off the dribble than I realized he had. Cause obviously in golden state, you don't get those opportunities. Um, so I think Damian Lee, I, I trust him a little bit. I might trust him more than Josh Okoge uh, with the playoffs, just cause I've seen him do it before. And, and that seems to matter a little bit. Um, and, and at least for me until I see it, can I believe it? Uh, but yeah, Damian Lee, he definitely should be playing. That's Denver, what, uh, that's a key guy. I've got he is on the positive
0: list for me for Phoenix. Like that is one of their guys. Okay, so compare that to Denver, because I think Denver has some nice depth in their playoff rotation. Um, you're gonna see you mentioned the starters. You got Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., KCP, Jamal Murray. That's a squad right there. Then coming off the bench, Bruce Brown, uh, Jeff Green is going to get his minutes that he normally gets. Do we see Christian Brown? Yes, get minutes because he's had some really nice. And he's another one of these big guys. He's big and can defend with his body, and he can knock down shots. I mean, it's you know, it's a small sample, but he's made forty-five percent of his wide-open threes in the NBA. And then you have these like wild-card guys, like someone like Reggie Jackson, who I didn't love his minutes after the trade. I I just really didn't. But I think they can still be positive because of his experience and his skill set in an environment where like the starters for the Nuggets are doing their thing, Jokic and Murray are doing their thing, and you need to sprinkle in 10 to 15 minutes a game of another... Playmaker, ball handler, scorer type. That's a lot of bodies. Flaco uh, don't get me don't get me cited on uh, Vladko Chanchar. Vladkar Chanchar. I mean, this is. I feel like they have a depth advantage. That's all I'm saying.
1: They do. They're, no, no, absolutely. And you didn't even mention everyone's favorite player, Peyton Watson. Oh yeah, that right? guy's a future Hall of Famer. Is he like that's a wild card to me. Come playoff time, I mean he he's really like the, the, shown up for them defensively a, yeah. in a way that is like. Where the hell did he come from?
0: The Terrence Ross, I mean the Terrence man of the uh, of the 2023 yeah. playoffs. I mean, it, we never know. I mean, who who knows what's going to happen with
1: them? Uh, I, I mean, I do. I, look, they've been the best team in the West all year, and if they make the conference finals, like this shouldn't surprise anybody. If they beat the Suns, it, it's a it's pretty close. You know, if you just stack them head to head, which you know so many people I think do when it comes to playoff analysis, they just say, well, this team has Jokic. And he matches up with KD from a talent perspective, right? If you just go there, the Nuggets beat just about every team down the list. They just have so much talent. Like, KCP is their fifth guy. He's their fifth best starter. And he is, I mean, for the Lakers, would he be their third best guy? He's Probably their fourth now. I mean, Austin Reed's pretty good. But KCP is a high end. Wow. He is a, well, I don't know, you know, but he's a high end. <laughs> come on. KCP's starter. better than Austin. He's Reeves. very good. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> <laughs> come on, man. He's very good. And, and uh, now he's actually, he struggled a little bit late in the season. I think he just doesn't have his legs under him. But back to Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson hasn't run an offense in years. I think that's the hang-up with, with going to Denver where guys actually have assignments and you know they're going to move off the ball and you got to make reads. The Clippers don't play that way. They, they literally exist with no vibes. They are co-workers. They, they, they all work remote. They don't practice. They don't know each other. They don't hang out. And with the Nuggets, it's a little bit. There's more chemistry involved, right? Like, and I think when you introduce a new piece, this is part of why Bones wasn't working out, right? Bones didn't want to be a part of the recipe. He didn't want to, you know, be a, one of the added spices to the to the you know to the sauce. He he wanted to do his own thing. And
0: Reggie Jackson has to learn. He can't just cook on his own. Got to hop in the pot. Okay, so let's say this matchup takes place in a couple weeks. Are you worried about? The Jokic defense mid range matrix that entire you know, oh my god, I still have flashback nightmares of Chris Paul hitting elbow jumpers and Devin Booker hitting elbow jumpers, and now they've added a better, a better drop sort of um assassin. What's a good word for someone who destroys the drop? I mean, well, I mean, mid range. Assassin is what yeah. we used oh, to absolutely. call him, right? I mean, yeah. you know,
1: Kevin Durant <laughs> is uh, – that's an unsolvable problem. I'm assuming, you know, it's going to be a lot of Aaron Gordon trying to hang in there. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do defensively. It may not matter. It, it, the Nuggets offense may just fire on all cylinders, and it may not matter uh, what
0: they do – you know, how many stops they get. They can do the math problem with Phoenix. That, that's That's the thing that is – fascinated me the entire this entire trip this season with Denver and knock on wood that Jamal Murray is playing well and comfortable and healthy and the same with Michael Porter Jr. But this is not a team that's going to come in and have a huge advantage on offense and a huge advantage on defense and go we sweep you. It's a team that's it's a team that's like you're playing the Suns And it's going back and forth, and you can't really figure out who's going to win. But nope, you you won enough. You won four games before the other team won four games. I mean, if it's it's close,
1: if if it's close, there's not a single guy in the league that I want more than Nikola Jokic. Period. Period. If it's a close game from a from a pace and controlling the pace, time management, getting buckets. Jokic, I mean, so if they're, if these games are close, and I think they probably will be, this could be an epic series. If these games are close and, and we're going down the stretch in these games, Jokic can win four
0: out of six. Yep, I agree with that. And, and I think it would look very similar. We already saw it in the bubble. Like just these really close series that go back and forth and then Denver somehow does enough to eke them out. On the clutch point, we brought this up when talking about the best scorers in the league uh, maybe a month ago on this show. But we pulled the stats, so there might be a there might be a few extra clutch minutes, but Jokic, frankly, is has sat a lot of the end of the season here. And Bede, when we pulled this, was scoring uh 42, 42 points per seventy-five in the clutch on sixty-two percent true shooting. That was first in the league. Jokic was second at forty and sixty-six percent true shooting. So he's he's this dude that like if you need him to dial up the scoring in those moments, he'll do it. Obviously makes great reads and play makes out of those situations. So, yeah, this is not a series where, despite the veteran firepower that the Suns have, and despite the tough shot making that the Suns have, you necessarily go, oh, if it's close, I really love Phoenix and all these close games, which adds a... I mean, we're looking ahead here, but it, it this, to me, is the pathway out of the conference, basically. Um. I mean, yeah. It, it, these are, I mean,
1: I I think I still t-
0: take the Warriors over the Suns. Um, the Nuggets, I don't, I don't know. So the so there really isn't a pathway out of the conference for you. You're not just for pick, Phoenix. You're not just picking Phoenix. the Warriors. You're picking the Warriors to go full 1995 Hakeem Olajuwon. Which uh, I mean, hey, look, that would be an amazing story, and that would make for some great video content. Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure. I have to see how this, how the first round goes. Like, I, I really you need have to see, see that game one, that game I, one against the Kings.
1: I mean, well, this is traditionally. I mean, I look, man. I, I don't gamble. I'm not into gambling. I actually don't think I'd be very good at it, <laughs> uh, even just pick because I will think a little bit too hard on this. But when it comes to the playoffs, I need a game or two to 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 feel it out um, because. You just don't know how teams are going to, you know, there's the human part of it. I don't know who's going to choke. I can't predict that. You know, I just watched these guys play 82, some of them 55, um, and I don't know how they're going to respond to the playoff pressure. And then there's teams like the Warriors who absolutely have another gear that they get to come playoff time, and that's hard to account for. And will it disappear? So when it comes to, like, my predictions, I have to go on, base, you know, based on what I already know. I know that Phoenix ha- is going to score. I wonder about the defense. You know, you you mentioned Aiton already. Well, how does he hold up if Jokic is just killing him? And Jokic doesn't normally come out aggressive. You know, you you mentioned he saves stuff for down the stretch, often it, to a frustrating degree. This guy should score thirty a game, but sometimes he only wants to shoot seven times. So you know. Is, is he going to come out of the gate like that? Or is he going to come out of the gate and just say, you know what, I'm going to dominate from the start. If he does that against Aiton, Aiton might fold. And then all of a sudden it's Bismack Biombo out there and those mid-rangers aren't as open. So what? Basically what you're saying, Dave... By the way, if, we left Aiton out of the mid-range conversation. That guy is also a sniper from the mid-range. So him pl- being played off the court, whether it's for
0: fouls or for defense, would be awful for their offense too. I think I think what you're really getting at here is if Jamal Murray returns to bubble Jamal Murray form. <sighs> oh, well, it's a wrap! It's a wrap! It's over. I'm glad you landed on this though. I want to read something from uh, your your partner in crime on the Nerdish Road Wrote podcast. Seth Partnow tweeted this. My working theory on why there's such a gap between the playoffs and the regular season right now is that the Complete, near-complete acceptance of the need to quote-unquote manage the season has made it a safer world for exploitable players to thrive until you get to the playoffs and the opponent-specific preparation really seriously kicks in. Um, I thought that was incredibly compelling thinking about the differences in what we've seen this year in terms of offensive efficiency, X's and O's, even officiating the stuff we've talked about on this show for the last five or six months, add in this element of like, okay, yeah, but is a Kogi, actually, I'll just use him because he's starting for the suns. Sure. Is he really going to be able to stay afloat if he can't make shots, given the way that offense is structured? And given the fact that that team needs a dominant elite offense, to really actualize and get get through the tournament. And I think this applies to every team where you look at the rotations and you're like, oh, yeah, he had a nice – he had a cute regular season, right? He had a cute regular season. But now that the chips are down and we're at brass tacks, he's kind of not very good anymore. Well, Michael who, Porter Jr. is the question mark, right? Well, you answered my question before I could ask. Yeah, yeah. I already knew.
1: I mean, I I knew where you were trying to lead me. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is the question mark. You know, what's he going to look like when Devin Booker is putting him in the spin cycle? I don't know. I don't know. I think this is where Aaron Gordon is going to earn his money. How good is he going to be at pre-switching? How good is he going to be? You know what I mean? Uh, Is Jokic going to – are they still going to have Jokic flashing against Phoenix? I I don't know. They don't, I mean, you don't, I, I think with Ayton, because of his lack of force, you can send Jokic to the ball a little bit and, and have guys come over and help out. But I'm not sure. And Michael Porter has just sometimes been awful. But he's had a couple moments this year. He, it's not an effort issue with him at all. And that's, the, that's the, almost the sad part because he is a good athlete. He's just miserable. At defense.
0: Okay. Okay. So here's the reason I, I thought this was so interesting to land on. Um, in the again in the old days, you could kind of see the the switch flipping. Um, I'll go back to the 2010 Celtics. The 2010 Celtics. 2008 they win the title. 2009 they're quote unquote better, but Durant is injured. I mean Durant. I got my Kevin's confused. Yeah, Garnett. Uh, Garnett Garnett is injured, uh, misses the playoffs. He comes back on one leg. He's not quite the same player. 2010, they got out of the gate playing well, but then I think they finished the season like 25 and 25 or just some very innocuous kind of situation. And Dave, to your point, the first playoff game, game one against the Miami Heat, your head was spinning watching them play defense because it was like, oh my God, This is an incredible defensive team all of a sudden out of nowhere. And then on offense, you know, they have enough juice with the veterans, Pierce, Rondo, uh, Allen, Garnett, right? This season, thinking about that in 2023, it's not as obvious to say like, well, some, some team just kicks in the effort defensively because part of me feels like, Teams are teams are working harder in the regular season than they used to. Everything's under a microscope. But then you balance that with Seth's theory here about, like, the regular season being managed. So I guess my bigger question is, where's that area of the game? If it used to be defensive intensity, where's the area of the game where you turn on game one of a playoff series uh, and you go, oh, this looks... Now I have my, now I have my sea legs as, as a viewer, as an analyst. Now I have a feeling for how this works. Is it something like, I don't know, last year you turned on the, the Hawks me, and the heat. Well, Bucks heat. When was that? The the sweep. Um, was that last year or was it the year before? The sweep was. was uh, Might've been two years ago. 21. The sweep okay. was in 21. So
1: yeah. I, I, I picked Bucks in five and I saw the first game and said, no, it's a sweep. Yeah, okay. it's about intensity for me.
0: You know how, but, that, like, but that's such a subtle example because you already yeah,
1: had the Bucks, right? And, and also the Bucks were just so much better. But um, I think it's similar to that Celtics example that you just used. They literally went to another level in that. And I watched. I think that season I probably watched sixty-five Bucks games. Um, but that first game of the playoffs was just. It was a different level of intensity for a team that had played. Really intense basketball that year. I mean, that was I mean, Giannis was absolutely out of his mind that season, um, I thought defensively. So uh to just see that difference in, in you know, applied on the court, I thought was was massive. But the the game plan matters. You know, um Miami in their game against Atlanta, they didn't really go after
0: Trey Young until the third quarter. It, I mean, that was that was bad game planning. This is this is the play in game. Yeah, the play in game. Yeah, I'm interested you bring that up because I was thinking it would look something like what Miami did to them in this series last year. Yes. Where they're just like, all right, here's what's going to happen. We're going to shrink the floor. We're going to slide up into the passing lanes. We're going to cheat everywhere. And you have to make really hard passes and you have to prove to us that you're going to make shots. That's the kind of thing that I could see changing where all of a sudden in May, when we're scouting a playoff series or doing a video – And you go back and you watch the game from the regular season in February. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not getting any. You're not getting any of those shots. You're not getting any of those shots because teams are just sitting in the lane and packing the paint or whatever it may be, right? Like, that's what I think you want to anticipate to try to figure out what's going to change in the playoffs beyond something like intensity. And intensity is valid, too, because for guys like Giannis, I think I think the defensive intensity can go up. Another notch. Oh,
1: Giannis for sure has a lot.
0: He was he was definitely down this year.
1: Yeah, but but then the other thing is just I mean, it's reps, right? It's reps against the same guys. Guys are going to play heavier minutes loads uh, in the playoffs. I mean, that stuff your warts start to show up when you start approaching thirty eight minutes instead of thirty two. You know, this is Giannis has been greatly protected in his career with those thirty two minute limits because we've seen what happens when he starts running out of gas. You know, he plays so hard for 32 minutes. So a lot of this is it's a different sport. It's more intense. How do you pace yourself? How do you handle the extra minute load? And then for guys like, you know, the non-stars that are out there with the stars,
0: your time to shine. You know, are you going to go 0 for 8? We got to switch to the East. Give me your top three teams in order that you're handicapping coming out of the West. Coming out of the West? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Golden
1: State, Denver, and Phoenix. In that order. That's the way I lean. Yeah. I need to, I have to go based on the history. And also, I mean, listen, I can't go against Steph, greatest player ever. How, how do I? He has been absolutely dominant in his era. To me, from a talent perspective, the greatest era in NBA history. I mean, there's just so much talent in the league, and he's absolutely dominated. I can't, I can't bet
0: against him. All right. I'm, I'm going to say, uh, I kind of feel like the Phoenix-Denver winner would be my number one to come out of the conference. The Phoenix Phoenix yeah. has four guys who are legit
1: snipers in the mid-range, and that's the thing about the playoffs. Um, I, I would worry if, if Phoenix beats Denver, I worry more about some of their positional size against the Warriors than I do uh, Denver's necessarily mostly because I trust Phoenix defense a little bit more against the Warriors than I would the Nuggets. But the, yeah, the Nuggets could also just beat the Warriors.
0: They could also lose to the Suns. I don't know. It's wide open, man. Do you think more than those three teams could win the West? Do you think there's a fourth team that could win the West?
1: I mean, Ka- Kawhi Leonard looks pretty good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the East, the East, I think my favorite first round series by far is this Cleveland-New York series, not just because of the basketball and the competitiveness and some, like, charged-up playoff basketball in Madison Square Garden, which, of course, gets me vibrating and going. But um, I, I, think, I think the Knicks, 7, they have a pretty good shot to uh, win this series. I yeah. think that one's going 7. Yeah, it's going to be uh, yeah. 7. I think it's going to go. I mean, it's
1: going to be tight. It, it, let's say it goes six, but I think it's going to be close. Yeah, agree. Um, I, yeah. I wonder. I wonder how how do the Cavs or excuse me, how do the Knicks handle the interior size for the Cavs? Because and, like Randall's not going to live on rebounds against those two guys, and when you've got that sort of shot blocking, um, and you've got let's just say small guards who are going to have trouble finishing in the lane against uh, Mobley and, and Jared Allen. I, I do worry there, but then on the other side for Cleveland, you know, your your guard defense is not you know, they those are not lockdown guys. So, um, you know, if, if the Knicks can shoot, the Knicks can win, which same for Cleveland, I guess.
0: Well, I it's one of those series that Cleveland's inability to generate good offense. I mean, they've got these two guards that are great offensive players and then basically playing three non-shooters a lot in the lineup. It's it's such an atypical thing for this day and age and if you had Garland and Mitchell in your backcourt and then you had t- just two other shooters. Forget forget five guys that can shoot, which a lot of teams have now from the center position. You just had the like Kevin Hurd or Harrison Barnes situation going on in the front court I think we'd be talking about a totally different offense because it unlocks the spacing but we're not and therefore the Cavs in close games in tight situations that's my concern I think this is one of those classic series where if you get your Jalen Brunson burner going down the stretch if you get your quickly or Grimes making big shots or whatever it is for the Knicks and you win some close games there's three close games in the series the team that wins two takes the series, that kind of thing. And we don't have to spend too much time on it because I think the weaknesses that you outlined of both of these teams are probably why they won't be able to give the Bucks too much of a hassle in the second round. You, do you agree with me on that? Or yeah. do you think, yeah? Yeah, I, I do think that. Um, and I, I will say, you know, Cleveland is going to have
1: to get big on the glass. Both ends. They're going to have to, they're, they're going to get, they're going to have to go to work. Mitchell Robinson's offensive rebounding has been, and his passing out of offensive rebounds has been a big part of the Knicks' offense. Is actually like they get quality second possessions because Mitchell Robinson is such a good passer out of these offensive rebounds. Um, but yeah, I, I, n- neither of these teams have a shot against the Bucks. Not, not
0: even a shot. Not even. A I don't shot. think so.
1: I just don't think yeah. so. I mean, it's it's a different beast.
0: Yeah. Maybe next I, year.
1: Maybe next year with a little bit more condition. Like. I mean, Evan Mobley is a defensive player of the year candidate this year. And this is kind of he he's still following the the trajectory that I think we all expected. We we thought that there would be a bigger leap on offense because we're used to seeing that come first. Mobley's just built different. I, I do think that there's more there to an offensive game for him, but
0: um they're not they're not on the Bucks level yet. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. So that leaves Milwaukee on one side of the bracket. The other side of the bracket obviously has this potential bloodbath between Boston and Philadelphia. When have they ever played in a playoff series of any significance? Um, oh, that's right. They constantly, over and over again, every decade, it feels like an NBA history. So I think... Wait, you're not giving the Nets or the Hawks a chance? I don't think the Hawks have a chance against the Celtics. No. Although nope.
1: I love their bigs. They were amazing against the Heat.
0: Yeah, that was, that was great. And then I think, um, I think the Nets could make that series more uncomfortable than maybe from the outside you would think it could be, but it's still a lot to ask just in terms of one winning four games and then two having enough consistent shot quality on offense from those guys out there to really at the end of the day, no matter how, no matter how nicely you can scheme up the defense, no matter how much you can get Harden or Embiid to slow down a little bit, to to just still outscore those guys. I think they're too small. They're too small to slow down Embiid. They're just too small.
1: He's going to the line 15 times a game.
0: (laughs) That's going to happen regardless of who he's going up against. Um, So that sets up Boston, Philadelphia. And the bigger question to me here. Dave, I don't know how you feel about these two teams is less about Philly and more about just how good the Celtics are, full stop. Are they the best team in the East? I mean, I are think they, the... Are they the best team in the NBA? I like the Bucks better than I like the Celtics. Um, Unless Robert Williams is 100%. I'm assuming he's not. I'm assuming we're going to get the same Rob Williams uh playoffs that we've gotten from the regular season yeah. but maybe that's another one of those you know kind of like wild card changes that we were talking about where for whatever obvious health reasons um he has not played in the regular season with the same verve and intensity that he can for and and you know he doesn't need to play 35 minutes a night mm-hmm. they they need him for 20 to 25 minutes a game Moving around and being a terror like he was last year, and I think that then that then takes an already good defense to that elite level that's right there with you know incredibly dominant defense that you can win within the playoffs, plus they have a good offense I mean the the, the spacing and the shooting, um, but maybe that's a trade-off. Maybe you put Rob Williams out there, you don't get that same spacing and shooting you get with Horford at the five. I don't know. I mean Derek White. And Malcolm Brogdon certainly helped them quite a bit because
1: you get quality guard play. I mean, to have that sort of guard play for 48 minutes is just – it's very rare in the NBA, Um, especially when you consider that that doesn't include Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Right. It gives you
0: five guys. Yeah. Five guys. White, Brogdon, Smart, Brown, Tatum, who – you know, maybe the weakness at the end of the day might be that they don't have a top-level singular playmaking force. Right, but that's five guys that can make decisions, penetrate, make reads, touch the paint, yeah, shoot exactly.
1: well enough, yeah. or at least get their own shot, um, which is which is huge. And obviously, and Derek White and his organization on offense, but also super—I mean, high-quality defense too. There's not that much of a drop-off when you go to Derek White, in my opinion. Uh, from Marcus Smart. So you now have all this lineup flexibility. The big question mark to me is Horford and and Rob Williams and how they hold up dealing with Embiid, staying out of foul trouble, which is going to be, I mean, the story of this series, I think, is going to be what sort of foul trouble can Harden and Embiid get those guys in? Can he get, you know, if they can get Jalen Brown in in foul trouble, for instance. I I expect a lot of smart, a lot of white on, on James Harden. But if they can find a way to get Jalen Brown and get him to be less aggressive, because that's been the story of his season. The guy has just put his head down a lot and just played hard. You know, I mean, he attacks the rim. So if you can just get him to be a little bit less aggressive, I mean, it it changes the calculus a little bit. But, I, I mean, Boston is a better team than Philly to me. Embiid is the best player in the series. And this is where, when you get into playoff basketball, this is where it has taken me a long time to kind of catch up to the NBA. Uh, on this, Because I have to throw out 82 games of, you know, the sample that, I, that I'm basing my opinion on. And I have to say, OK, when it comes down to tight game, which they ought to have a lot of tight games,
0: who do you trust? Well, this is the depth thing, Dave, because if you look at the 76ers, I think the Celtics entire rotation that they, you know, all those guys that you mentioned mm-hmm. and possibly Rob Williams, like they're all really good players. Yes. They're all top one hundred, top seventy-five, whatever it is, you, you however you lay out your rankings, they're all quality role players, starters, all stars, whatever. Philadelphia, I have more question marks about who's even going to be the third consistent offensive force in the postseason. You know, the obvious You don't answer trust Maxie? Is, well, that's the obvious answer, but in terms of playing at this level against this quality competition, um, you chip away at him or he has three bad games in a six game series, hard, hard to win a series that way when that's your number three guy and you really need him to either that or, or James Harden, which seems unlikely to me as great as James Harden has been offensively this season, as underrated as he's been. We joke almost every week that it's silly that he didn't make the all-star team. Like it's asking a lot to just say James Harden, and Joel Embiid, you go out and you create an elite offense against the Celtics defense for us. And the other guys like, you know, P.J. Tucker, George now, Niang.
1: I don't think this is a P.J. Tucker series because it's happening in in April, May, and June. Like, he is not a playoff player. I'm sorry. Like, you, you want to talk about the game plan shifting? How would you like to see P.J. Tucker jab step and not shoot 27 times? You know, they're going to recreate 0 for 27, but it's going to be... Oh zero shots from 27 touches for P.J. Tucker, and that's going to shut down their offense. I think they need to play their best five guys. That If, if Philly will just commit to playing their best
0: five guys, they stand a chance. Dave, uh, one thing we track on our board that we share with our subscribers is performance against top 10 teams. Performance against top 10 teams. Uh, who do you think has the best defensive rating this year – against the top 10 teams in the NBA? Boston. Boston Celtics with the best defensive rating against the top 10 teams. It's 112. Now here's the crazy part. Who do you think has the best offensive rating against top 10 teams? <laughs> Philly? Boston. Ooh. Now Boston, wh- where did they finish
1: overall for the season? I mean, they were, they were top five at least in both offense and defense,
0: right? Uh, just against, against the entire league. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were second in offensive rating behind the Kings and third in defensive rating. I mean, look, so, they're a very good team. Well, historically, there just aren't that many teams that when you look at how they perform against other top 10 teams can generate massive win differentials. I mean, that's the rub. It's, it's all the good teams in the NBA. So the average team's performance against a top 10 team is like, Minus four net rating or something. Celtics are like plus six or plus seven. How and historically is is that? uh, That's very good historically. Yeah, like like that's out on an island this year. So there's the the second best team is Denver at plus three. Memphis is plus two. So, you know, the as I as I led. And we've saved this juicy part for the second hour of the show for the 20 people that are still, that are still rocking with us. thank you.
1: Listen, nobody's (laughs) turning this show off.
0: Come on. Uh, We save this for now because you guys know, I like to build up to a a big point at the end here. Are the Celtics just kind of, are they being undersold? I'm not saying I look at them and go, ah, there's the favorite. They're going to run away with it. But Dave, there are some indicators that they basically maybe should be the favorite. They're at least co-favorites. They're just fantastic. And I feel much more comfortable about looking ahead and saying they have tons of advantages and they can create tons of matchups that, uh, and with home court, take them through Philadelphia. I think of everyone else in the tournament, um, the Milwaukee Bucks and... Chris Middleton rounding into shape and Giannis upping his intensity and Drew Holiday doing his playoff thing, locking down whoever they want him to lock down. Like that's that might be the finals to me. Buck, Buck Celtics is the finals. That, that I mean, yeah,
1: that's your conference final for sure, and it's probably if I'm ranking the teams, it's probably one and two. You know, as yeah. far as uh, the, the Dave Trust Index, as far as champions go. The, D- the DTI? <laughs> That's right. The Doof model has those two teams as the top two, um, you know, for the season. Uh, and it's because, I mean, it starts with defense. I trust their defense. I, I don't trust Boston's offense, even though they were they were great. Because half-court offense in the playoffs, man, it's just – that's a different beast. And, and I do think that Boston has tendencies to fall into bad habits. This is why I like Derek White out there and why I like Malcolm Brogdon out there. Because those guys, when things start sticking, they unstick it. Um, but we just got to see what happens when they turn the lights on. You know, do we get a ton of Jason Tatum isolation? That's not good offense. That just, That's when things go poorly for Boston.
0: Well, the Bucks last year did not have Middleton. Um that obviously would have made a difference in in the series and whether that would have swung the series, we'll never know. But in assessing it, it does look viable to say, you know, if they had Middleton, I'm comfortable taking Milwaukee there based on how close it was. I, I bring that up to say, one, they do have Middleton this time around uh, so far. Knock on wood that there's no injuries. But two, we've already seen the Bucks' role players that were taken away last year. Um, this year, you know... Brooke Lopez is in theory healthier. Grayson Allen is another year under his belt as a role player. Javon Carter has another year under his belt as a role player, and he's been great defensively as well. They have Joe Ingles. He's there. He's been excellent in pick and roll for uh, pick and roll ball handler for them. Right. I mean, th- right. that is, and that's huge come playoff time. So, you know, the question is. Which one of these offenses can score enough against these defenses? That's the question. I, Chris Middleton kills the
1: Celtics. He kills the Celtics. He he absolutely destroys them. The Bucks would have made the finals last year if Chris Middleton was out there. That's my that's how I feel about it. And I just I cannot I, I'm just I refuse to allow myself to go against the Bucs in the playoffs. This year, They were excellent this season. And in spite of a lack of intensity on defense from Giannis, that's the thing is like, I know what Giannis is going to look like in that series defensively. The guy is going to be the best player on the planet come conference finals time. That's it. And how do you overcome that? If you're Boston, if you don't have Rob Williams, I think it's going to be tough. Like if you don't have Rob Williams, who we think of, if you don't have the time Lord, because they have Rob Williams, but they need the Time Lord. Yeah, I can't wait. I, no, series, I completely agree. Look, that series is is the sort of basketball I love. They are, it is going to be physical. The defense is going to be stifling. And someone's going to have a random
0: 40-point game. Can we make it through this tournament without a big injury?
1: I, I hope so. Well, well, I mean, nobody the, played all year, man. Like I, I hope, I hope, God, I hope. I did. Look, I, I don't care about awards, and, and I lean on you for, for awards because uh, you care more about the historical aspect of it, which to me, that that's where awards are important. How do you tell the story of the season? And, and so when I do think about awards, that's the way I look at it. But I tried an all-NBA ballot with the 65-game threshold, but now I forgot, I, I did, uh, I will mention, I did uh, forget that that they took away the position requirement, so I didn't go fully to next season. I just made my all NBA and an all NBA team that doesn't have Giannis and Steph Curry um, automatically just gets crazy. No Kevin Durant. Uh, So this season has just been so like, I I've actually had fun watching the games. The games have been competitive. uh, The parody has been fun. The unpredictability has been fun, but um, for a sport that only has five guys on a side, when some of your best guys are missing a third of the season, and I mean the overwhelming majority of the best guys in the league miss somewhere between a quarter and a third of the season. I mean, it's just like insane amount of missed games. I fucking hope that we can get through the playoffs with no injuries. We earned it. We, we, we went through 1,230 regular season games.
0: I can get 20 Giannis games, I hope. I apologize for Dave's language, everyone. Sorry, it's a family. It's, a, it's a G-rated program. <laughs> um no, the reason I'm asking is if the, historically we've had injuries. That's that's what's been going on. That's what's in the water. I personally think a lot of it has to do with the style of basketball, which is insanely demanding on the body in a way that it never was for the majority of the history of the sport with just sprinting in one direction, changing and sprinting in another direction. Um, And even the space has created different lower body injuries where you didn't have the same kind of, you know, jumping and landing on stuff and undercutting for charges. That's not the point here. The point is if we had an injury like, if we looked at those teams we talked about as the contending teams, the inner circle contenders, Milwaukee, Boston, I don't know if you want to throw anyone else in there. I don't know if you want to throw a, a Western team. Golden you State. Might, you might. You want to throw Golden State in. I might want to throw in a Phoenix or yeah. or Denver. Denver. That's that's the five. Yeah, I don't know if they're on the same level as the Celtics or Boston. Oh, definitely.
1: But, I, I but. Here by themselves.
0: Okay. Okay. So we agree there. So my question is: Before we get out of here and start talking about HBO Max, <laughs> um, what, what, uh, which team can like, can any of these teams fade an injury? And if there is an injury, where is, where is that felt the most? In other words, like if Giannis misses some of the Celtics series or something if that were to happen does then that make the Celtics some huge favorite in the West if uh if Kevin Durant as you said can't play can't be healthy for like the Phoenix series does that take away some of that matchup potency that people are talking about with the nuggets therefore giving the nuggets two good series to go through to get rested up for the final and then whoever comes up and then the nuggets have an easier ride like that's what I'm trying to just cover our oh, yeah. bases with, and oh, thinking I mean, about definitely. this.
1: definitely. You know, this is the the sneaky part about parity is that those margins just matter. They matter so much more. the 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 Bucks do not have, in my opinion, much of a margin advantage on the Celtics. I mean, it's maybe even completely even. For whatever, however, we can come up with that. You know, a, a, some sort of metric. I'd put them around even. Well, if you lose Giannis from that, that's a big deal. I think the Bucs feel that more on defense than on offense because Bobby Portis, you can throw him out there, he can stretch the floor, and you just have a different dynamic on offense. No, they can't they can't they can't beat him without Giannis. No, no, they can't the, beat the, the entire him.
0: series. No. Right.
1: But you can maybe make up for a game. Like you might have a game. Hey, right. Bobby right. Portis, you gotta go out there and just shoot the lights out. Um, you know, adding Jay Crowder was big for them. Like they've got a little bit of depth. They could maybe hang for a game, maybe steal a win in a game. Um, but if Giannis gets hurt, no, no, no. They, they don't stand a chance. And, and that's how I feel about pretty much every team. If they lose their second best player, they should lose whatever series they're in. Once we get to the later stages, you know, um, you know, if, the war, if Steph Curry uh, hurts his finger against the Kings, I still think that the Warriors could beat the Kings. It would be tougher, but maybe not.
0: God, maybe it's too close. If the Kings go up 2 nothing on the Warriors, will you pick them to, in your, will you text me, will your brain, after seeing them go up 2 nothing, say, the Kings are going to the Western Conference Finals? No. Okay. You guys nope. heard it here. It's on nope. the
1: record. If the Warriors drop to a 2 0 hole, I'm going to say Warriors in six. <laughs> what I, else? I do just it?
0: can't, I can't do it, man. I cannot go. Steph Curry is a killer. I can't go against him. Dave, is there anything else to discuss? Uh, Basketball-wise, but you tell me. Do we cover the playoffs with our normal blanket? <laughs> I think so. We
1: smothered the playoffs to death. I think. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess. Let me ask you. All right. So this season, what, was there a new theme that are uh, that that popped up for you this year? That something just that you it, either you didn't notice it or it was a new thing. Like just. Anything, just right
0: off the top of your head. What new thing happened for you this year? In terms of the on-court basketball? on-court. I think it's stuff that we've discussed. So to try to boil it down, I would say, I think teams took a step forward in the sort of strategic X's and O's arms race by understanding how to combine the skill and shooting of all, you know, two, three, four ball handlers on the court and shooters with the X's and O's actions. It's why the league runs like 80% of the same actions yeah. because they realize, Hey, if we've got a screen off a dribble handoff, if we've got a stagger screen, if we've got these actions that everyone runs, these, these, uh, dribble handoff actions that then get us into an empty side or something with three shooters spread in the corner, it's impossible to defend. It's impossible to defend. So th- the biggest part of me in terms of excitement for the playoffs, besides the drama and the stories and what, you know, which one of three or four teams is going to make the uh, finals from the West or what's going to happen with the teams we just talked about in the East. The biggest thing is to see how the basketball looks. Is it the same pace? Is it the same sets and do defenses figure out a way to defend these sets and like, What's the average offensive rating in the playoffs, Dave? There you go. See, is this it one twelve or is it one that, sixteen? So that's the season what I'm most interested me. in. This was the year that they broke defense. <laughs> the offense is way ahead. They
1: yeah. broke defense, and so I just I want to see how much defense
0: matters come playoff time. Well, the is officiating, it- the officiating is the other part of this because. We had uh the beginning of the twenty twenty two season the quote unquote points of emphasis, uh, and I'm gonna try to rope in Monty McCutcheon and get to the get to the bottom of this at some point, but like where we are now compared to where we are then, I think as this season has gone on, I have seen nightly more and more defensive fouls that are just to me unambiguously offensive fouls, no matter how you interpret it's like you have to get to an interpretation where you're literally saying, one, defenders are not allowed to have arms. Two, defenders <laughs> are not allowed to move. What? Like guys guys get shoulders plowed through the middle of their sternum as they're sliding perfectly on defense, and it's a defensive foul. So I do think a huge part of this and most of it is the the tactics of the offenses being ahead skill-wise. But if they're gonna call like if they're gonna call it like this. I think it's going to be the same if they allow def- if they allow defenders to move and make contact and they stop calling that an offensive foul. who that is going to be a real interesting change for some of these teams in the postseason. I'm not into juicing the basketball.
1: You know, I mean, I would eliminate free throws. I, I just I think it's just garbage. It's a garbage television watching experience. I don't want to see free throws at all. It's an, it's important for the pause. It's important for the. Oh no, no no You Listen, get your you, replays you, guys, in. You get and the, the guys. But rest. also the guys rest. That's the biggest. That's the biggest thing. I think that you can do it without disrupting the game so much. But neither here nor there. But the the fact that guys are not allowed to play defense. There is nothing in the rule book that says that you can't touch the offensive player. Um, I would bring back hand checking, and I would call every illegal screen. Um, in, in in the game last night. uh, Jared Vanderbilt wrapped up a defender on a flare screen. I mean, he literally just wraps his arms around him. I mean, this is we the offense has all, it naturally has an inherent advantage because they are making the decisions on where the ball goes. Defense has to react. So you start at a natural disadvantage for the defense just in in the sport of basketball. It's built in. Yeah. You don't need to give the offense extra tools to Be able to beat the defense, the defense needs a fair shot. Part of that is you got to let them make contact, it is a contact sport, like it is. It there is inherently rubbing and touching in and around the basket. Man, the charge has to go away. We got to get rid of the charge, and you got to make these guys play honest defense. It's safer for everybody, but leading with the elbow needs to go. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns picked up his fourth foul for uh chinning the throat throat shot, yeah, he chinned. Uh, LeBron's elbow, yes. right? Like, I mean, it, just a brutal chin by <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns directly <laughs> into LeBron. Reckless, <laughs> should have been a flagrant one. Foul by chin. Fouled by the chin. And, and yeah. so, look, you've just got to stop looking for excuses to blow the whistle. Just most of these foul calls are not fouls at all. It's a play on. Most of them. I mean, 60% of them are not fouls. Just play basketball. I don't yeah. want to watch 20 free throws. I don't want to watch 10. <laughs> but I understand natural course of the game, we're going to get free throws. Just make them honest. Give the defense a chance, and it'll be fine. I don't expect them to, to fix it in the playoffs. I think this is going to be one of the worst officiated playoffs that we see uh, on the defense. I think it's going to be completely unfair. We're going to get a lot of free throws because the NBA just wants points. Uh, At the end of the day, like this is this is inherent in the system now where the default is guy falls down, blow whistle. I mean, Anthony Davis did a chop block on Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns grabs his shoulder. Yeah, because you don't expect a guy to fall into your hip when you're going for a rebound on on a free throw. And to me, it's like, why are you calling this? He's just going to the ground before there's ever even contact. And. Maybe we just need to add a fourth referee. That's a big thing, like get extra eyeballs out I, I, there. I don't or think that's it. Just take the damn whistle out of your mouth.
0: No, no, I don't think that's it. I think I think the officials have actually been for the most part pretty incredible at executing what the league wants them to execute. There's just this area with a little bit with traveling and ball handling obviously that we've talked about the moving screens there's like 80 a game and they're getting more severe i mean i'm well, the now playoffs, seeing they don't call them well well the issue is i'm now seeing you know how many screens are on a single possession a lot how important is that to every possession it is the heart of the possession i'm now seeing like oh let me set a ball screen up at the top of the key and then as the team is trying to navigate it i will quote unquote roll But by roll, I mean I will block like a football lineman. We have achieved full – I've actually seen possessions. I have them clipped, and I'll try to share them if someone reminds me. I've seen arms out, full-on, sliding with the defender like a football lineman. Um, I think you're right, Dave. I think it's going to come to a head in this postseason. There's a lot of parity. There's going to be a lot of close games. Close games bring out the conspiracy theorist. You were you were conspiracy theorying me last night <laughs> during the game. I had to put the kibosh on it. But like but it brings it out naturally, right? Because it does. in a close in a close basketball game, you want to go, oh, that one call that I just saw changes everything. And I think you're gonna have teams and these players, and they're so good and they're so prepared, and it's gonna get so intense. Where think about that Buck Celtic series last year, where it just felt like it felt like a rugby match, where you're like a heavyweight oh, fight, man. Yeah, Giannis. Can I just? It was. It was like an MMA bout. It was like, can Giannis get the takedown on this possession? <laughs> who will he run through? How many? How many defenders were the Celtics put in front of him? I think we're just going to see more of that because those guys are going to go to the most intense level they can get to. Not just Giannis, but um, other players who are always trying to draw fouls, trying to initiate contact. I think it's going to come to a head, and um, hopefully it doesn't derail things. I'm a defense guy, and
1: I just want the defense to be treated with a little bit of grace. The offense is given everything, everything. But some, like, I actually think that basketball fans like to see good defense, too. I understand that the Detroit Pistons years were bad for the NBA. They did not like it. 88-point games. I'm not asking for that. I I just want a 100-point game. Hundred point game well, is perfect basketball to me, and, and so allowing the defense to play some damn defense—it it, just—it should be the goal of the league. Like you need, you need both. It would be like, I mean, again, I go back to juicing baseballs, right? You don't have great pitchers if if you know uh, every second baseman can hit twenty home runs. You just you're—it's impossible like doubles are going to turn into home runs. Singles are turning into doubles. And all I'm asking for the NBA to do is keep single singles. You don't need to like the shooting. I will say, I see a lot more very blatant. I'm not blowing the whistle unless he misses on, on light contact. And I, that's great. This all goes back to wanting officials to go by the black and white letter of the law, instead of spirit of the game, spirit of the game is, Actually matters to people who care about basketball. The black and white stuff is only for people who are looking to exploit the rules, which is what the NBA has turned into. Where the with the flop drawing charges, which is not a basketball play and should go away. Like the the stuff. I mean, yeah, the rip through, which they, allegedly they weren't calling anymore. That I just see Anthony Davis do six times a game. Because um, it's, it's just it's coming back. It is back. It's already back. It's gonna. It, some guys gonna. We're gonna have a, a a three point play that's gonna be in a crucial moment. It's gonna be on a rip through, and, and everyone's gonna just be like, "Oh, it's basketball. You're hunting fouls. It's a skill. No, it's not. It sucks. It's a lame skill to have. Tricking referees is a lame skill. Sorry, sorry. I got. I get heated about this. I. I just. I'm standing up for defenses.
0: Well, we will uh, see what happens in the postseason. It is it is about to kick off, and um, I, for one, am incredibly excited for it to finally be here. I can't wait to see what I can't I can't wait to see this Sacramento Golden State series. Forget forget the rest of them. Um, this is just going to be some seriously nerdy, awesome, beautiful basketball. I might I might have to make seven videos about this this series. No, you won't. Um, I mean, wait, what you going to make?
1: Uh, a video one about a game. each game and then two about game four and game five? No, a video one video per game. <laughs> oh yeah. It's not going it is not it's not going seven. It's not
0: going seven. If you want to you support really this believe show, in the kings. <laughs> if you want to support this show, check out patreon.com slash thinking basketball. No, I just think they have a better chance. I think they have a much better chance that people are giving them credit for and I, I haven't agree. fully I haven't fully oriented on whether I should just outright pick them in the series or not. That's that's what I haven't fully grappled with. Um you know home court home court matters, Dave. And that know. and they've got a great crowd a who great has been crowd. completely priced out on
1: playoff tickets, I should note. Um disgusting.
0: You think the Bay Area uh, elite are coming over? The ticket prices are just nuts.
1: I mean, ticket prices in the NBA are crazy. You know, I remember when this was a blue-collar league, Ben. I'm not even that old. Can you still watch a game for 10 bucks? I don't I don't know. Maybe. I've now, you now might now be I able to, like... but can you see it, right? Like can you see it when you're
0: sitting up near the the lights, like the you know, the this the speakers? It, this is like my how much does a gallon of milk moment from Succession right now? How much how much does it co- I don't know. How much does it a- <laughs> How much does the uh, ticket cost? Yeah, here's a dollar. Go see a Star Wars. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, it is a bummer that that uh, the ticket prices are what they are. I'm doing I, I mean, an outro. Fan. Dave, I'm doing an outro. <laughs> yes, here. you are. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm just disruptive. Yeah. Something, 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 patreon.com slash thinking basketball. Uh, that's the best way to support us and get access to those uh, numbers that we that we read earlier um otherwise this this has been this has been our preview show um huge thanks to dave as always for for coming on and doing this and bouncing the best spot i do twice a year yeah
1: it's my favorite yeah Yeah.
0: i already told you this is uh you know i i pride myself
1: on on my show being a, a safe space for basketball thinking Thinking basketball is the safest space for thinking out loud about basketball. I love it. I mean, you and I have at off air had way crazier conversations than we've had on air. But I know that we've had some crazy basketball talk on here. But this is my favorite podcast.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Um, as always, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And of course, especially, especially with the playoffs coming up, I hope you're having a great day.